0: Unreal Engine 5, they're trying to simulate light, which is for me as a DOP, which is insane. Transitioning into a 3D space feels so freaking liberating. Ah oh, man, I'm having goosebumps right now. I finally feel like I'm creating something, something
1: meaningful, something purposeful. You're listening to The VFX Process, where we talk to the industry's most talented artists, including film, TV, and game. From concept artists to previous 3D animators and visual effects artists, we take a deep dive into a personal project of theirs and take a look at the work that went into them as well as show an insight into the mind, workflow and career of each artist. For any visuals discussed in this episode, we have provided a link to images and videos should you need a bit more context. The VFX process, getting intimate with your industry. Brought to you by Big 2 Studios. If you enjoy this show and haven't already, please leave us a rating and review, it really helps us out a lot. In today's episode, Jeremy chats with Arthur Baum, an Unreal Engine artist and Director of Photography based in Germany. Arthur candidly shares the highs and lows of transitioning to Unreal Engine from the perspective of a DOP, highlighting how this shift has finally granted him the freedom to tell the stories he is passionate about. Together they delve into Arthur's Unreal Engine film Voyage, a short that takes you on a daydreaming adventure with visuals that are truly out of this world. We also get a glimpse of Arthur's upcoming Unreal Engine series How To Kill A God, in which he is using AI tools in the workflow to help bring it to life. So stick around, this is going to be a good one. Hey, Arthur. Hey. Nice to meet you. You too, man. Good
0: morning. Good morning. (laughs) How's it going? I'm I'm holding up. I'm currently in the midst of a very, very crunch time-intensive project, so it's a bit... Oh, really? Could get a little bit more
2: sleep. What kind of project is it? Is it an Unreal Engine project, or is it a commercial...? Well,
0: as a matter of fact, all the uh, latest projects in the last couple of months have all been Unreal Engine projects, and I can't talk too much. Uh, About it, you know, because of NDA. No, it's fine. Of course, yeah, of course, man. It's basically a historical documentation drama, whatever. And they shifted from the wacky Blender visuals, which were all right, but would be better to real-time workflow inside Unreal Engine, and they're trying that for now. And tomorrow, I will be, we will be heading to Berlin to make some uh, mocap recordings, some performance capture recordings. In a, in a big studio, in a green screen studio. So yeah, that's exciting.
2: They've got you working hard, Arthur.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. The last months were crazy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, I guess. Yeah, man. Yes, good for me. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks
2: for the invite. Our pleasure. Absolute pleasure. We usually just start with a brief introduction of yourself, so your name, and just talk about your background, really, how it all began. I think it's a bit
0: unusual for like uh, for the VFX podcast, but I do have a background as a DP. And as a, as a, as a photographer, uh, I was working for six years, like for the last six or seven years, I was working on sets mostly as a, as a first AC or as a DOP. I started working as a, as a gaffer as well, as a best boy. Honestly, whatever I can, I, can, I can get on
2: sets. Is that something that you wanted to get into from you know, a younger age? How did you get into the world of
0: a, a DOP as well? That'd be great to touch on. Yeah, when I was a kid, I was I was really really amazed by cinema already, and, um, and then I saved a shit ton of money for myself and bought my first camera. Like I think I was twelve or thirteen, and I started like every photographer starts uh, taking pictures of flowers with a with an insane amount of depth of field, always trying yeah. to get the uh the aperture as wide open as possible, you know. And I don't know, it transitions from from classic photography to cinematography or videography uh I edited a whole bunch of of stuff so I was working as an editor as well you know you can't go on set and immediately start working as a dop that that's not how it works and you you have to earn your name so I was I was working a lot a lot a lot of years in the assistant roles on set and I always had a huge huge fable for cinema like narrative cinematic storytelling. I stole the video camera of my father and we went in the forest or behind the supermarket with friends and shot some, some weird skate content, like, like some people did. And I don't know. It felt we, so, we did
2: that. Yeah. I we mean, used to
0: film ourselves our skateboarding. It was, it was so much fun just to hold the camera to just to point the camera at, at people. Slowly but surely, you start trying to tell stories and start learning about how light works and how light enters the lens and to the sensor and all this technical stuff. And then you suddenly throw it all away because that's not important. And you start <laughs> focusing on the on the storytelling aspect of your of your movies, which is a bit hard when working in commercials and advertisement because the client is always always providing a story and you're just uh, basically selling a whole bunch of plastic. As plasticky this world is, there's some kind of magic to trying to sell something in the least amount of time. It gets all broken down to 30 seconds, sometimes to 15 seconds to convince your your viewership to, to buy something. It may sound very freaking capitalistic as I think about it. But I, I like the approach of telling something, of reducing something to the, to the, to the base, to the the most important things.
2: And I guess that's what you need to do with um, commercials, isn't it? You've got a short amount of time. Exactly,
0: yeah. To deliver the biggest impact. Exactly, and this is something look, right now in Unreal Engine for the last three years, I'm, I'm trying to learn to get rid of it, to take more time to explaining a story, to telling a story, which is sometimes hard given the fact that my background is telling stories as fast as possible.
2: What was the transition like into the world of unreal engine i know that you've not been using it for years and years right now it's slowly approaching the two-year mark you know when did you sort of come across unreal engine and think i need to use this software because i've got all my experience with cameras lighting storytelling commercials uh
0: well when corona hit our industry very hard uh, every freaking brand deducted their money subtracted the money from their marketing budget. So we were bleeding a lot and I had a lot of time. Luckily, I was we were able to work very, very much. And I had, yeah, I, I saved some money. So I was able to, to chill a bit and explore new things. And then suddenly, I don't know, it, it was LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever. There was this huge banner, Unreal Engine 5 release. And they showed some demos, I think, of the Lumen and Nano technologies. And for me as a DOP, I was immediately interested in this Lumen technology because I mean, it's after all, it's bounce lighting, right? It's indirect lighting. That's how light they, they're trying to simulate light, which is for me as a DOP, which was insane to see that in real time. I, I knew it was possible before in, in uh, DCCs like Blender or Cinema or whatever. But, but in real time, there was, there was, I was completely blown away and I downloaded it. And I think like eight hours passed and you hadn't moved just like yeah exactly like a (laughs) t-rex i was still sitting like a t-rex in front of my keyboard and i was just amazed by the technologies and those those things i learned about lighting a set or lighting people staging blocking on set i i was able to trans to translate them into the unreal world and it kind of worked it kind it kind of worked. Did you have any background of 3D before Unreal Engine? No, I had no background in 3D whatsoever. I never even opened up Blender or maybe once I did, but it felt like walking on hands. It was a really weird tool. I, I never had any background in Blender.
2: And, and did you ever have 3D. any interest of going into the 3D world or did you just sort of see Unreal Engine and think, I want to try it because it's, you know, a lot of my
0: skill sets in a in digital world? I found it like very interesting and very fantastic it was very uh, fantastic in a way that was way over my head like way way on top which i could never reach this point but i i was always in awe to see amazing 3d films and i always also has a back have a background in in gaming I, I love gaming and i was really amazed by yeah storytelling and gaming and the graphics aspect
2: and cinematics and
0: yeah i was i was always more interested in cinematics and also maybe that is also a factor which drove me to a 3d 3d space was the fact that you know i i'm not sure if you're a gamer
2: i play i've played the odd video game we've done and we've done a a few cinematics for companies as well so you know
0: that in recent years, uh, developers like to introduce this photo mode into video games, right? You can yes, you can take yeah. photos, and sometimes they're amazingly detailed and great worked out. Like the 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 one and Ghost of Tsushima is freaking amazing. Easy. I've
2: not played that. I've not. I think the the first time for me was like a Forza video game, so like Forza yeah. Four, I think, where
0: you could take photos, and it was just super fun to kind of. It is, and the one in Ghost of Tsushima is just beyond. Like it's it's something different. And point being that half of my playtime I was taking pictures in in game environments and game worlds. And I really enjoyed it. And I I don't know, maybe that drove me to towards
2: that kind of makes sense with your, you know, your passion for DOP, lighting, photography. Yeah. And being able to do that on some of your favorite video games. It's kind of like, whoa, this is incredible to sort of and fun. It's like a playground. I guess it's like the biggest playground for
0: a photographer that you could have, right? Oh, oh, most definitely, most definitely. I mean, especially given the fact that the graphics got so freaking insane in the last years and yeah, and seeing seeing light in all its beauty, bouncing off complex structures in real time. I mean, that brought me to the idea that maybe I can plan my real shoots, my real shots inside Unreal Engine, like a pre-visualization. Yeah. And it fucking worked. And it's, I tell you, it's so magical to to go on set and see all the props and people and lighting, like exactly like you built in your Unreal map. It was-
2: Definitely. Oh, I mean, that's that's super exciting. Have you seen, it's been there for, for years now, but a guy called Matt Workman. Oh, sure. Legendary. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if you hadn't have heard of him. But uh, yeah, Matt Workman with uh, Cine Tracer. We've not played with it yet, but I know it's a super sort of interactive way to kind of pre-visualize and, you know, light a set and build an environment. Yeah, of course. I
0: think it's also pretty pretty damn good idea to um, to do some kind of gamification with all the previous aspect. And I tried it out, but uh, I refunded very quickly um, because at this stage where I tried it out, it was very unfinished and a little bit glitchy. Okay. And I thought that I can achieve way better result in a faster amount of time inside Unreal Engine. But still, I want to praise Matt Workman for all the work he did. Yeah. And he's he's a fucking... He puts in a lot. He's a mountain. What did you
2: do first then in Unreal Engine? I imagine you sat there for eight hours playing with lighting.
0: I have a huge fable for for people, for portraying people. I, I love just... I traveled a lot for Europe and in every city. I had my camera with me and I asked random people if I may take a portrait of them because they looked amazing. and. So naturally, I felt like the first thing to do is play with metahumans and light metahumans. Naturally, transitioned into some, some art pieces, which I uploaded to, to Reddit and to Facebook groups and to Discord groups and, and so on. And people really, really liked it. Apparently, it's possible to light metahumans in a, I don't know, stylistic way, in a cinematic way. And I don't know, it felt like something new. The whole industry shifted so much in the last two years people people started producing cinematics so freaking often and people are selling master classes for cinematic storytelling in unreal left and right
2: will there be an arthur Bourne, you know master class in the future of dop in unreal engine potentially jump on the bandwagon and get your version out Jesus! If I
0: have the time, I actually have a concept for that lying around. And this is uh, honestly this is the the one question I'm getting asked most.
2: When's it coming out?
0: Yeah. Or actually, yeah. This question, but also, where can I start? Where do I start with Unreal Engine?
2: Is that the main question that you get asked yeah. a lot? Then,
0: yeah, literally, like every day, literally. Really?
2: Yeah. <laughs> have you Have you answered that question yet? What What kind of advice would you give? someone starting out what are their backgrounds are are they just like animators are they dops are they asking how do you transition from a certain skill set or is it just a general question
0: there are a lot of different people asking me with different backgrounds some sometimes 3d artists sometimes uh, dops sometimes photographers many many photographers sometimes just general interest because they just want to fuck around with unreal engine just want to play around and i always try to be nice and 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 say well, I would suggest to to uh, step back from Unreal Engine and just learn the basics of photography, composition, lighting, sure. color, and how how lenses behave, how sensors capture light. Maybe even uh, take a look at some some old paintings. Those were the masters of composition and lighting. Definitely. I know
2: that you started to replicate like photos in Unreal Engine when you started.
0: Yeah, exactly, and yeah, exactly, and after. Um, you learn the basics of photography or lighting or whatever just just take any still frame for any for of your favorite movie and try replicating it. There's a very, very good talent to to learn the basics. just a very simple one,
2: yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense of course um you know, understanding the the technical side uh how a camera works, how lighting work, yeah, exactly that will give you a
0: good start to to go into the digital space exactly because no no lens is similar to another one no camera is similar to another one they catch a light very differently every sensor is different every lighting scenario is different every hour is different how light behaves it's it's man photons are are crazy <laughs> they do what they <laughs> yeah. they do what they want and it's hard to to control them but but it's an it's one of the most important steps to control your photons when you're on set in real life and you've got and you know your limitations
2: yeah. and you know what can be done in the real space. What, what was that like going into Unreal Engine and, and sort of hitting these technical barriers soft from, from the software? Was there any kind of major limitations or frustrations that you had being in a digital space as a DOP?
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, one of the, 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 the worst limitations is it's a very lonely job. As a vfx artist i really really miss interacting and socializing with my with my teammates with my teams you know four eyes six eyes eight eyes I'll often see more than than yourself and sometimes you get very very much invested in the project and you can't just can't see it can't have an objective view on it which really sucks and I'm, i really miss working in teams collaboratively mm-hmm. which slowly becomes a thing again but for the last three years i was mostly working alone it's quite isolating isn't it at times it is super isolating yeah and i'm i'm not that guy
2: no i guess you want to you know especially coming from a a background and being on set with people yeah that energy you know the conversations the the passion amongst a bunch of people yeah yeah a real vibe as a digital artist when you go into that world the reality of it is i'm going to create this image and i'm going to put it on the internet to get that kind of recognition in some capacity and you know oh people have seen it now yeah. and that's the only way to show people yeah. unless you get people to come to your screen and look at it which you can't because you're isolated it's covid i guess the satisf- satisfaction of what you're doing only happens when you put it on the internet to kind of get a response to some degree
0: oh oh yeah most definitely yeah i mean i, I still draw a lot of energy of, of- Releasing my my, my stuff and, and people praising it and and giving me feedback, it, it, it's amazing. But but still, it's a very very lonely field of expertise. You know how how amazing it can be just you put together with some heads and bumping ideas yeah, left and right. Definitely, it's ah, it's just magic. Of course, obviously, I I really miss the movement. Like, I I need to compensate for all the sitting a lot. Like, I need to do a lot of sport.
2: What What do you do to to balance that out? What What hobbies do you have to kind of
0: get you away from the computer? Um. Yeah. Like five months ago, I bought a bike, uh, which is always bringing me to new places, which is showing me the world, kind of at least locally right now. And it's it's became a huge passion for me, riding the bike. Yeah, as fast as possible. Like, really like to go fast with the bike and then I'm, I'm super... Like the sleep quality also gets better when you're really exhausted. Another point would be to get back to your question, what you're missing. I mean, Unreal Engine is, it looks amazing sometimes. You can get it to look nearly photoreal, but it's still not there. Like it's still not photoreal, even though people are claiming it. And sometimes like how light behaves, especially with translucent objects, it's still not on the quality like Blender or Cinema or whatever. The simulation quality is not as good. This is still shit. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it, it's getting better from update to update. But I think Zava said it. Uh, he made this amazing short irradiation. Oh, we, we did an episode with him. Oh, man, this this was like for me, that was my idol. Kind of my idol, He was one of the reasons I started with Unreal Engine. Absolutely. Incredible work. Incredible work. That And super nice guy. I, I nearly watched every interview with him. You need to watch the VFX I process. Will, One I of will. You. I promise. I promise. <laughs> and people now telling me the same or something similar that they started Unreal Engine because they saw my work is just, <gasps> it's heartwarmingly amazing. Like I, I, I can't yeah. put in words how, how amazing that feels to inspire people. That's, man, that hits different. You know, the loneliness that you spend, it's great knowing that, You've had such an impact yes. and inspired people. Yeah. Zaba said something very, very important, which which shifted my perspective to, uh, on Unreal Engine or my view on Unreal Engine. He said something along the lines, please don't quote me on that. Unreal Engine is an assembly engine, not necessarily a creation engine. Once you understand that, you try to shift to other software and create there and then bring it all together into Unreal and then assemble it in this particular software, which makes a ton of sense and which Will fasten your workflow immensely that's a great way to look at it, definitely,
2: but I remember Sava saying like all we knew at the start was we knew how to put things into unreal Engine we knew how to kind of put geometry and animation in you know don't be too scared of you need to know everything as long as you know what you need to put together to put in there, it's not so scary at the end at the
0: end, you know. Definitely. But I mean, given the fact that I had no background in 3D and Blender, I was super fucking afraid of Blender. It was very, very scary to, to get that ball rolling. And I, I really tried to create everything inside Unreal Engine and I failed so many times. I think my whole Unreal network will will agree on that. So what what kind of external DCCs do you, do you use in your workflow as well as Unreal Engine? I'm starting to get into, into Blender, even though it feels like walking on hands, but it's so fast. So fucking fast with this tool. Uh, I'm starting to use Marvelous Designer. It's I think somehow it's quite intuitive. It just clicks with me. I don't know why. It has an amazing quality, like the the quality of, of simulations, how how cloth and garments behave mm-hmm. super good. I got into Ambergen. They actually put my video, like one of my videos on their oh, website. Really? It's like Hell yeah. I had no idea what I'm doing, but they liked it. So yeah, it's, it, That's amazing. it's a very, very good tool. And I'm really looking forward to LiquidGen. Also, uh, Nick Sievert, the CEO of EmberGen. He personally sent me a postcard where he Whoa. thanked me for purchasing EmberGen, which was one of the nicest things anybody can do. I don't know. Very I, nice. I, I love the team.
2: Feels like a really nice package, you know, bit of blender and this and marvelous. And it's kind of worked. Also
0: substance. It's just, I don't know, oh, yeah? substance just clicks with me as well. I, I, I really enjoy making painting textures on, on, on surfaces, even though I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing, but you know, sometimes an idiot can produce <laughs> faster and more efficient than somebody who's thinking thousand hours about a certain thing. That's the best way to do it, you know, yeah. Sometimes I miss the old base where I encountered Unreal Engine because I had no idea what I was doing. So. I wasn't thinking about it. I just produced like 10 pictures a day. Now it feels like I'm producing one little short clip in a year or half a year. It's,
2: (laughs) I don't know. It's that side of your brain, like trying to overthink things because you know more.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the projects got very big as well and very ambitious. And now I'm at a point that I can't solve this shit alone anymore. And I don't want it. Kind of the realization that I, don't want and don't need to learn everything to uh, to the maximum degree.
2: You know what you need to know to kind of get the results rather than thinking, exactly. I need to know everything. Because it's so overwhelming with with add-ons and softwares and pipelines. And it's kind of like, oh, shit, well, that looks incredible. I need to go and learn this. And, you know, if I want to do this, I need to go. It kind of like can fuck with your
0: brain, can't exactly. it? With- and especially for someone who who likes to light and to frame it's, which is kind of a creative field sometimes there are phases in unreal engine where i think i'm just solving technical issues which is super fucking frustrating for me I, I i don't have the patience for that and i don't but it's it's just necessary and yeah
2: i was that's that's the kind of the point i was trying to get at like going from a world of real world you can touch things you'd know that yeah. if the camera's broke maybe the lens needs to clear you know you can physically touch these things where exactly. if you're going into a brand new digital world it's like i don't fucking like something's crashed is it a is it a hardware thing is it my computer is it unreal engine is it an update is it you know it's kind of you have to face these
0: issues along the way and it's kind of can be a bit frustrating exactly and from all softwares i'm using unreal engine unfortunately as amazing as it is Jesus Christ, my crash dump has to be like several gigabytes already. It's just not even, not even, oh my God, I'm so frustrated, just, uh, again, well, it's just, uh, it got, uh, I have a kind of a muscle memory already to just save all, save all, save all, like every minute. Of course. Because Unreal Engine has this weirdest autosave feature. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. A project that I'd love to talk about is Voyager.
2: Yeah, Voyage, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I'm saying it wrong. No, no, don't worry. Yeah. C- can you just talk about how that happened and why that happened? You know, sometimes just
0: sitting in the metro or in a subway and just listening to your favorite song. Maybe you're a bit wasted. Maybe you're a bit sleep deprived. It just floats away. Your mind just completely floats away. And you're imagining things happening outside, which really fit the music. I I don't know. I, I, I like doing that, listening to music and just imagining Imagining stories which are happening. And I think that was the base of it, like the, the base of the storyline. Imagine being in a in a metro and and seeing the world shift, or in a subway or whatever. I think that was the the initial idea, and I, I really wanted to visualize that how how it would feel to me to me personally if everything else fades and you're just in your own world.
2: Where does it start when the, when an idea like that comes into your head? What what's the kind of workflow from start to finish So i
0: think it was just two or three weeks oh really yeah it was really fast i it just clicked every every shot i did was like yeah yeah i can take that okay yeah that looks cool okay let's do it and then the the song was uh exclusively written and produced and recorded for this video oh, amazing yeah first the video came and then the artist anton israel he made the song specifically for the video it, that took another two weeks i think because he's 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 an amazing music, musician and he he really likes to take his time and and to nice. get everything on point. So this is a bit of an atypical project because there was no concept art for it, there was no 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 writing, nothing. It's just I just started creating inside Unreal Engine. What
2: was the first shot or what was the first thing that you set up? Was it the Metahuman?
0: Was it the tri Was it the train? I don't know whether I can remember honestly. <laughs> like what was it the the chicken or the egg? I don't know. Um, I think a <laughs> th- question that no one knows the answer to. Yeah, I think I I just recorded myself with LifeLink and put it on the guy's face inside the tunnel and played around with some red light and I thought, boy, geez, that looks cool. But what if what if he transitions into a whole wide world? Like, I mean, obviously doing that in real time in a shoot like in real life such a shoot that would that would cost
2: a whole lot of money that's the beauty isn't it of yeah if you know the power of unreal engine you can exactly the stuff that you can come up with and produce it's kind of like <laughs> exactly pretty incredible and you, when you compare it to how much would this cost if this was a
0: vfx like a shoot yeah. or a, a proper company doing this but I, I really got to say, though, that this is this is not a typical way I like to work. I really invest a lot of time um, creating mood boards and storyboards and concepts and a lot of lot of writing. So this was a little bit of a I don't give it I don't care, man. Just throw it all away. Was that quite enjoyable, though? It was freaking amazing. <laughs> yeah,
2: it was so liberating. I can imagine that. There's no rules. There's no boundaries. Nope. There's no right. There's no wrong. No script. Exactly. It's very much just you feel like, oh,
0: that looks cool. I, I feel, I'll, I'll do this. It's a, it feels a very nice way to yeah. create. Exactly. And this is this is some, it, it reminds me a lot of my beginnings inside Unreal Engine because there were no rules. I just didn't, I just didn't give a fuck. Like, I just. Yeah. Like,
2: that looks, that looks cool. Or yeah, exactly. Let's, let's
0: try this, you know. Yeah.
2: It's the best way to, I think, learn is just try and experiment and yeah you know exactly. not get too worried about I'm doing this wrong.
0: yeah definitely and now it's all about oh my god another storyboard the V version 13 storyboard which is already a, a couple amount of gigabytes and okay now we have a uh, the next um, script screenplay going on and now we need to iterate on that again. I can't imagine just going into a project and just fuck around anymore. It's great and freeing and, uh, for certain things, but then
2: there is, it comes to it where you can't have too much freedom or too much, you know, time. It's just finding that balance, isn't it? But I can imagine that being a very fun time to kind
0: of a- yeah. experiment. And, and and time is one of the most valuable resources, right? Became one of the most valuable resources. The, the one thing which is, which is very refreshing for me right now is, you know, I have this group on Discord, Unreal Engine filmmakers. There are just... Freaking stellar people in it, man. Fucking talented and inspiring people. And we have... We we introduced some kind of challenge right now. Oh, is it is it your Discord? No, it's not mine. A guy called Connor... Uh, Connor... Not Connor Buchanan.
2: Yeah, exactly. Connor Buchanan. We've done an episode with that dude as well. Really? Yeah. But he's such a nice guy. Love Connor. Um, you Love know, him. of course. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Um, but we've done an episode with Connor as well. And it, it was a really great talk of his journey getting into... Unreal
0: Engine, so I didn't know we had a Discord channel. I think we're currently over 50 people and everybody has a background, some kind of cinematic storytelling. And it's just amazing to do these little challenges right now, which we introduced to because it really focuses your mind on okay, you have one or two hours, just create something really quick. And this is, ah, this is so nice again.
2: You know, you can have the no boundaries, no rules. It's all fun and that's yeah. great to some degree. But then there's also something really nice about being given at a limit, or you can only use this tool, that tool, and you've got yeah. three hours. It's kind of exciting
0: to to know
2: the limits of what
0: you can use yeah. for such a project. Deadlines are magic, man. I'm telling you, deadlines are fucking magic. They they push me, push me really good.
2: What kind of person are you in terms of like organization? Do you like lists? Do you like do you like deadlines? Do
0: you like structure? Yes, yes. Uh, well, it depends on the project. I would say um, some project don't necessarily need that because they're so small. Just doing a little challenge doesn't, I don't know, just like to fuck around and try to get new perspective because that's the beauty of real time, right? Just try a new camera perspective and just looks interesting or cool. Most projects, I I really like a structured workflow. Everything is organized, everything is structured. I like my color-codings, color-coded uh, folders inside our Unreal Engine. I'm always having this rule, what if I give this project to another person? He needs to find himself or herself
2: that's super important, isn't it? In the world of sort of you know pipelines and three D, CG, uh, you know it's you've got to consider the next person, especially if you're in a team. Yeah, um, and it's just great practice for for tidiness and organization. Yes, uh, in in any type of project.
0: I mean, yeah, just maybe sometimes you just save a second or two, but that really adds up. I'm still dying to try out this multiplayer functionality on Unreal Engine that. Two or three or more people are joining one project together. It's funny you say that I was I was gonna
2: go on to that question like you know you coming on it coming from a background of being on set and being with people, like to go into the, ver- the the version of Unreal Engine where you are with other people in the in the in the engine. I'm
0: oh, I would die to try it out, but I heard it's a little bit unstable, which honestly, it, it doesn't surprise me. It's still, because unreal, and I'm a little bit afraid of data loss. And um, when we're going terrifying, know, yeah, it's terrifying. So that's why. Like two weeks ago, I bought a NAS, a NAS server.
2: So. Oh yeah, uh, did that? Did that come from um, an actual experience of losing a project? Yeah. What? What? What, what happened there? <laughs>
0: Dude, I don't know if I can talk. To
2: we, that. We've all got these crazy stories when we lose a project or a file. What was yours?
0: I'm. Okay, I don't need to say any names because I still want to work with them because I really appreciate it. But there was there was one project. It was more than 100 gigabytes already. And I upgraded my PC with a new GPU. And there was a short, short circuit or whatever and uh, like a poof and a little bit of a flame oh, <laughs> inside shit. your computer, which is what you want to see when upgrading your <laughs> computer. <laughs> and suddenly all attached memory, like all attached storage was, was dead. All SSDs, all NVMEs were dead. Oh shit. Yeah. And this project, this commercial project, I had no backup for it. So that was on me. This is painful. That was, that was fucking on me. Like, um, I I brought the, the SSD to a data recovery service and they were like, yeah, we can maybe save it, but just give us 2000 bucks upfront. That's where they get their money because they know
2: that you need those files.
0: Yeah, and they said maybe we can do it, but the, the the order where how the files are arranged it not necessarily will be the same as before. And Unreal Engine loves structure inside their project. Yes, it really does. Oh Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> they can't they really can't can't deal with with uh, structure. Uh, so that's when that's when it hit me, and I was about to okay. Do I tell him the truth? Do I tell him what happened because it's a commercial project? He's paying me for that shit. Or am I pulling some all-nighters and rebuild the whole shit from from ground up? And I decided for letter. I never told him. Oh my god. I never ever told him. Which is people fuck up. Don't worry about it. Just tell the truth. And you will find a solution. But in this particular case, I fucked up and I rebuild it. And I often think to myself, even if something gets destroyed or broken or whatever, you can rebuild it 9 out of, t- out of 10 times a better way.
2: And, and it kind of happens quicker-ish the way second quicker. time. Way quicker.
0: Way quicker. It was an interesting experience. And he he never said something like, oh, that looks weird. That looks different. Phew. It
2: was a... I bet you did the biggest few. Like, That's the bullet. Hell. Yeah, big time. How much, how much did you actually lose? Uh, it was about... and how, how, how long into the project was it that you kind of...
0: It was shortly before getting him the final version, like a couple of days before getting in the final version. And I, I invested another, I think, five days, like a good working week every yeah. freaking day, building it from scratch.
2: Oh my God, that, I, can, I feel the fear that you felt when it died. So I guess your advice for people working in the digital world would be, Back up and say, I mean, everybody knows it's that. Just everyone everybody knows, everybody yeah, knows that,
0: course. but seldomly people are doing that, like in a in a proper manner, like backing your files every single day on a on a proprietary NAS on a server." Quick one, Arthur. You know, in
2: Voyage, you know that big whale that is flying through the air. Yeah, it gave me real uh, Fish Night vibes from Love Death Robots. Have you seen that episode
0: of called course, Fish Night? Of course, Is there any link there or not? It wasn't intentional, but people kept telling me that they often thought of Love, Death Robots of this particular episode. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's a great source for inspiration, right? Love, Death Robots. Definitely. What a, Definitely. like, that would be a dream come true. Sometimes maybe to, to gather a small team of talented people and produce for Love Death Robots. did do, do you have a favorite episode? One of my most favorite episodes I think it's called Hunter and Huntress or something, which is that dystopian this dystopian society where people live indefinitely and they they never reproduce, they oh, never yes. children into the world. I, I thought like the the overall style and the art design was was on fleek. I love the particularly love, love, love the episode David Fincher directed the pirate ship with the, oh, yes. with, the with the weird crap that that style just speaks to me like this this weird twisted dark style i love this and um i love how fincher like i i, I read all the making offs and behind the scenes i love how fin- fincher directed it i love seeing big hollywood directors coming into this animation space right now it's just uh very 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 cool to see Mm. Very
2: cool, and it's kind of like, you know, it's taking animation and VFX and, like, the CG world very seriously in terms of, like, storytelling and Guillermo del Toro's, like, Pinocchio that kind of won a huge recognition for an animation film. So it's no longer just, oh, it's an animation. It's a a film. It's a story. Mm -hmm. And I think before that, everyone just saw animation as, oh, it's just, it's an animation. It's filmmaking, not just, oh, it's an animation. Exactly.
0: And, you know... I mean, I'm, I keep telling, you, I have a background as a dop, but I, I was a very, very small one. Our production company was very small. Our budgets were super fucking limited, and we always had to eat whatever is in front of us. Transitioning into a three D space feels so freaking liberating. It's just ah oh man, I'm, I'm having goosebumps right now because really? it's just, it just feels so like I can tell finally tell the stories I want to tell. Uh, like there was this huge wall of of money. No, no. Actually, the, the huge wall where I didn't have enough money to to build a ladder uh, in in the real world space, and now I feel like it doesn't matter anymore. I feel like I can create shit, you should never be, never, never, never be held uh, back by the money or the camera or the heck shit you have. Just start creating whatever that is. There are no excuses. Just. Start creating whatever it is. It doesn't matter if it's wacky or, or, or weird or cringy. It doesn't freaking matter. Just start creating. And I think Nico Kuringa from Corridor Digital put it very, very, very nicely. He said a little bit of whack is, is always good. And they started with nothing in the last two years. Man, the, the whole development inside the AI stuff, like the AI tools got insane. They can help you tremendously. Most of the tools like Blender and Unreal are free. You just, you don't even need a high NGP for that. Uh, there's just not much excuses.
2: What are you using AI for out of interest? Cause you mentioned that you sort of used it in your, in, in your
0: workflow. So in the latest project, how to kill a God, I started implemented, like I started with the version three or two with mid journey back then. Uh, so like concept art, creating concept art for the whole world building, the character art. I started using Midjourney and then refined it in Photoshop and so on. I sent it to another artist which can iterate on the references, which can create clothing and garments and textures based on the reference. I started using ChatGPT to help me writing the script. Because I'm not a writer and really shitty with that, but some parts it did really well for me because it knows, knows all the stuff about the history of... Viking Norse mythology and so on. Uh, I started using Eleven Labs for maybe creating kind of oh, a yeah? uh, voiceover, maybe even create some kind of voice for the artist or for for extras in the in the in the film. Um, and then I like using Move AI for capturing performance. I actually captured a whole shit ton of performance already.
2: How many iPhones do you use at your set
0: for your set? So up? usually we have between four and five iPhones for capturing movement. And did a pretty good job, definitely. I still think it's not 100% on the level of, of non smoke mocap, of mocap suits. Mm-hmm. I think especially the inertia, like the, the, the weight of... I can't explain it. I, I'm, not, I'm not firm with the technical terms, but just the weight of the body doesn't seem mm-hmm. translated that well. And sometimes the denoiser is a little bit too strong for my taste. Just looks a little bit too smooth. And still, them I in mean, the fingers and moving, eye, like they going like that all the time. It's, <laughs> it, 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 there's still a whole lot of of, mo- uh, of still cleanup. a lot of work. Yeah, still a whole lot of uh, cleanup. So for this particular project, I actually want to switch to traditional mocap performance capture.
2: How to kill a god? I guess we're going to wrap on that. Like, what's that about, and where's that going, and, and what 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 does that look like? We, we've got the we've got the teaser which we love. Yeah, um, where's it going? <laughs> we want more.
0: Yeah, it had an it had an amazing impact. Like I posted it on LinkedIn, and people kept kept writing me days and days on uh, about this teaser. It's it's a cinematic three part series about a, about a guy who's lost everything, and it's playing in the North North Viking era. He lost everything, and he's he's going to to Asgard, to the land of the gods, where in my version the gods are kind of fucked up human beings, which have just a little bit too much power, but they are as fucked up as humans. And he just goes to the gods and just wants to ask them why the fuck did you let it happen? But the main important part, which is highly inspired by Hellblade, Senor's Sacrifice, the the, the amazing video game, one of the most important parts of this um, cinematic three part series is I I really want to visualize the horrors of uh, trauma, traumatizing experiences and dealing with psychological issues which he is and sometimes he sees things which are not real but we can't really tell what is real and what is not and on all fronts of this cinematic i'm i'm feeling challenged like every freaking day it's 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 a bit too ambitious <laughs> it was planned as a one as like as a, as, a, as a long movie or a 20 30 minute piece which is insanely much for an animation film so I split it up into three parts and I'm very very freaking happy that I have at least some people to help me with that which they are doing in their free time in their spare time when's he coming out um when it's done <laughs> whenever it's done that's it that's it but but another interesting fact about it is uh that that I I created the, this human with me, with the meta human creator and I never felt attached to him I just I just never did and I needed a break for from this whole weird short movie hassle because it was so fucking frustrating to do everything. And I went boat paddling in the nature, and there was a guy renting boats who looked like the most badass Viking. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, fuck it." I I just approached him and asked him, "Yo, can I scan your face? Can oh, really? I scan your face because you look super fucking interesting, and I'm doing a short, and I want I I want." you to be my hero, like your face shall be my hero. And he was like, yeah, sure, why not? And now I scanned his face. I had his uh, face mesh. I imported it into Unreal Engine. I made his face, like uh, I textured his face. I put some dirt on it. And now he is my hero, which looks way cooler than my initial hero. He looks so badass.
2: Yeah. I guess that's like similarly like going up to people in the streets as a photographer and yeah. saying, "Can I take a photo of you?" Probably because you look great right and there. You're like you're not just, "Can I take a photo of you?" Can I scan and scan head? you? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, that's fine." And you know, most people find it very charming that you that, that you compliment them on your on their cool looks. Yeah, he has the sleepy eye, this amazing skin texture, and maybe for you as well. Once you started doing 3D stuff, you have a different look on the world, how textures, like real textures look, how materials look, how they behave when light hits them. It's just,
2: I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely. My, my wife kind of, I can go, you know, we can watch a movie or I can look at some rocks on the floor and go, oh, this would be really cool to like photo scan. Yeah, these. And, like, exactly. You can, <laughs> can add like the water, we can. Yeah. and she's like, just shut up. Um, stop being a geek I feel just, you I'm like, I can't help it Ed. I totally feel you there's a guy Ian Hubert I don't know if you've heard of Ian Hubert he's a legend of course yeah. a legend legend I love just his Instagram days out where he goes um, and sort of scans these really fascinating pieces of rock and wood and uh-huh. you know all sorts and he puts them into his movies
0: very inspiring especially for me it's inspiring because he often finds pragmatic ways of things which would normally take a long, long time to create. He just, I don't know, finds interesting ways. It, it does. I, I saw one recently where
2: he'd scanned a friend or, or somebody that they were kind of like sweeping the floor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to rig that and animate that and create a loop cycle might take a bit of time. Yeah. But his way around it was he just put a he a simple rig in the, in the pose yeah. that the guy was in and put like an IK... Constraint to to the whole body, so he was just animating the bottom of this brush. But obviously, it was all arcade and set up, so you got the animation of the arms oh. and the body just just by animating animating it with the mouse, and just to kind of get the motion. No way, it moves all the whole body. Just little things, the other way round of doing things quickly or more efficiently, rather than the typical way of you know modelling and texturing and rigging and exactly you know. He finds really clever ways to...
0: Yeah, and I, I feel very inspired to be a little bit more pragmatic in my VFX process because I often find myself of just overthinking. Could all benefit from a little bit more pragmatic approaches.
2: Arthur, I mean, we've touched on Voyage, we've touched on How to Kill a God. What's going on in the world of Arthur
0: next? What 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 What's the next four months look like? Honestly, once I will finish this project, I was telling you initially, I think I'm eligible for some vacation, finally, at the same time, the best uh, source for inspiration I can get personally to go deep into the nature, to go hiking, to go deep into the mountains and just hear nothing. Just this. Yeah, the, the, the sound of mountains is really, I, I like it. So I think I'm going to head into the mountains in the nature and go for a hike, long, long hike. That sounds great, man. That sounds really great. Until then, just finishing the stuff and riding my bike whenever I can. And hopefully um, start working on how to kill a god again, because, uh, you know, the non-commercial free projects are more fun, (laughs) way more fun. Oh, that was one of our questions.
2: What Comparing a commercial
0: project to a non-commercial project. Yeah, they're way more fun. And there, there are people involved which have the same passion as me. So it's always... It's <laughs> even better, isn't it? Just a final point
2: to touch on. When you're out on vacation or you go into the mountains and you're separating yourself from the digital world or professional work, do you reckon you will still be thinking about what project can I create in, <laughs> in the mountains? Or, you know, do, yeah. do you ever disconnect properly? Because I guess you could go and think, okay, I'm not going to think about animation, I'm not going to think about texture and mountains and stories, but sometimes you can't help, but be inspired by something exactly so beautiful and euphoric. Well,
0: Well, I guess we'll see when you come back from your journey. Exactly. Well, I wish I could, I could say that I can totally disconnect from the work, but you know, I feel like in the last two years, I found a completely new passion, which was very, very hidden, like hidden for a long, long time. And when, when you discover a passion like that, which is so fucking powerful, and which became your full time job, it, it feels like you can never switch off. And everything you see kind of has the potential to, to benefit you in the process of creating art. Cause I've, I finally feel like I'm creating something, something meaningful, something purposeful, which is a, which is a nice thing. And that's why it's, it is really hard to disconnect and just turn off my mindset. And sometimes you see a sunset and a real sunset, and you say, "Oh, that's a nice, nice HDRI." Yeah, exactly. I think everybody, yo, overcast weather—that's that would be perfect weather to scan. And I mean, there's something magical about bringing scanned assets into into your scene. Because you kind of, like kind of you did it, like
2: definitely. And I guess as a photographer, like you know, when you're out in the world and you go exploring. Because you just see these moments, like oh, I'd love to take a photo, like that waterfall mm-hmm. bit, and I'll get. I guess you just can't help it, even though you're kind of not in the world of it. It's just your brain is inspiring or
0: seeing things from a different exactly perspective. But you know what's what's really great about it. And William Fosse, uh, another legend in the industry, he said it pretty. He put it really nicely. Just take a step back from the computer, grab your camera, and let. Let you be inspired by nature and just yeah take some photographs and breathe some air and you will come Definitely. back with so much more energy. Sometimes even a walk is sufficient when you're frustrated sure. on a project. Sometimes just get a walk to get another perspective and let alone two weeks of vacation and that's that's freaking important, guys. Don't forget to to go outside. That's a great point to finish
2: on there. Yeah. Arthur. That's a great <laughs> final point. I mean, thanks, man. That was an absolute pleasure to to hang out and chat. Yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it too. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Well, I'll leave you to crack on with your project and your deadlines. Tricky client. Very tricky client currently. <laughs> <laughs> well, Arthur, I'll speak to you very soon. All the best and thank you. Thank you too. All the best Okay. To you too. Take care, man. You too. Take care, Arthur. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening. Remember to check out our other episodes available or check out the podcast in video form on our YouTube. Again, please drop us a rating and review. See you next time. The VFX Process. Getting intimate with your industry. Brought to you by Big Two Studios.